We're underway for another week and another year. It's the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to it. My name is Dirk Christensen. I am surrounded by a lot of people who have a lot of information to impart to you. To start off 18, we start off over here with Susan Littlefield. And I guess the first thing is that we maybe, I don't know if you want to do this yet, spill the beans, but I know we have uh, yet another set of skills that yeah. have moved into the building here and i don't know if you want to make that big introduction yet we or can not. do so clay Patton is joining us he comes from kansas so today is the first official day but you will hear him on the air as early as probably tomorrow okay. we're going to get him started right away so we're excited to have him here and it gives us another realm and another another voice as we continue to get into the extremely busy season that is coming upon us. Yep. Clay brings a whole skill set that uh, we are welcome to bring into our fold. and uh, He's an auctioneer, too. Is he really? Yeah. I didn't know that about Clay. I don't know if I have to call him Colonel. I don't know if he's <laughs> that far into his auctioneer career yet, because he's pretty young. But Does you never know. Does he play by play? Because, you know... D- d- I'll ask. Okay. I'll uh, ask. I'll find out. <laughs> Jason over here is having to do double double time, you know, so we might as well get an auctioneer doing play by play. That would be interesting. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's find out what's going on in uh, the realm of ag news today. Well, as we talk about things getting busy, coming up at 1217, Shaley Peters is going to talk with Randy Sainer about upcoming workshops that are taking place. Some great ones coming up for some cattle producers later on in the month. 1245, Mike Zuzalo joins me with Global Commodity Analytics. He talks about markets into 2018. If you happen to miss Friday's final bell because you were getting ready for the New Year's festivities, we'll rehash with him some of the topics that he talks talked about important for our grain and our livestock producers then at 117 bryce talks to chris Bliley. he's a growth energy vice president of regulatory affairs of course the epa is proposing to open new pathways for grain sorghum oil into the ethanol industry so we'll have more on that all right all this to come so stay right where you are and here's jason jorgensen you're just getting ready to Hit it once again as fast as it can go in 2018. That is right. Also, uh, 2018 couldn't have started any better for Scott Frost and Central Florida with their big win in the Peach Bowl yesterday. And, of course, that victory and what Frost has been able to do the last month has Husker fans uh, really fired up about what he can bring and potentially turn around Nebraska's struggling football fortunes. Now, uh, one player has decided he doesn't want to stick around and be part of this. Offensive lineman Nick Gates has announced that he will forfeit his final year of eligibility and declare for the NFL draft. Of course, he's started a lot of games for Nebraska the past couple of years at left tackle. Broncos were terrible this year, and their uh, CEO has written a letter to uh, season ticket holders apologizing for the product they put on the field and also letting fans know that ticket prices won't be raised next season. Well, thanks. That's what happens when you win five games. That was Broncos' first losing season since 2010. You get to keep the ticket price you had. Probably a good PR move. Okay. Well, all right, we'll go with that. Bob is here with some businesses. How does that fit into the business headlines today? Good. Well, it fits like a glove. (laughs) And uh, stock price is moving higher in early trading as traders return from the New Year's holiday. So some positive things are happening already. Also, an economist says a business conditions index for Nebraska and several other states in the Midwest rose. So they're predicting some good things for the new year. All right, Bob, Jason, Susan, thank you very much. This is Midday on the Rural Radio Network.
Paul Perkins has the day off, and I'm Dirk Christensen with a look at your ag weather today, brought to you by Coleman Repair. Sunny skies broken out across much of the Midwest, and it should stay that way, according to our forecast, as we get to through this week. And by the time we get to the weekend, there is a slight chance of precipitation that will move through the area, and we'll be looking at warmer conditions, slowly warming through the week. Sunny skies at a high temperature that may reach 21 degrees in eastern Nebraska today, perhaps 26 for the central and 30 in the west after our nighttime temperatures did set record lows during the overnight hours. Those lows and wind chills were records across much of the state of Nebraska as well as much of the upper Midwest. For tonight, mostly clear skies with low temperatures down to 8 to 12. Then we'll see our nighttime lows expected to be pretty much on the up and up as well. Thursday's highs could reach 22 in the east, 31 in the central. And then we'll be looking by Saturday at temperatures that reach 33 in the east, 41 central, and somewhere in the 40s for western portions of the state of Nebraska. In ag weather, the uh, forecast calls for limited rainfall in many drier areas of southern and uh, northwestern Argentina. The episodes of extreme heat and below-normal rainfall patterns increase the risk of crops grown in the La Pampa and the southern Buenos Aires province during that period. Santa Fe and northern Buenos Aires also look to trend toward above-normal temperatures and below-normal rainfall over the course of the next 7 to 10 days, which will increase the risk in that area as well. Cordoba had needed rainfall during the weekend, but... With hot weather preceding all those showers and that drier pattern, the balance of this week, that moisture is likely to be quickly used up. Central Brazil remains in line for periods of rainfall along with seasonal temperatures, the combination favorable for crops, most favorable in southern Brazil. In fact, in the south, generally favorable conditions remain in place over Parana and Mato Grosso do Sul. In Rio Grande do Sul, the crops have adequate moisture for current needs, but there are hints of a drier pattern during the course of next week. In the Midwest, sub-zero cold through the northern portion of the soft red winter wheat areas during the past weekend, as we heard, may have caused damage to wheat. It's still being evaluated in the northern plains. Extreme cold has been stressful to livestock during this past week, and some additional cold is in store for the first week of the new year. Snow occurred through portions of the region during recent days. A little cold, a little snow along with that cold would have been beneficial, but it didn't happen for a lot of those areas of the Plains wheat region. The sub-zero cold over the north and central areas of the southern plains on Sunday and Monday could mean damage to that unprotected winter wheat, especially in southern Nebraska, southwest central and northeast Kansas, and a more favorable pattern for overwintering wheat during the second part of the week is possible. In South Africa, southern and eastern crop areas maintain favorable crop conditions due to periods of rain and seasonal temperatures. However, north-central, northwest, and west-central locations continue to offer concern, resulting from a hotter and drier pattern. For Nebraska, our extended forecast does call for mostly clear skies and 16 to 22 in the east on Thursday. 25 to 31 in the central, perhaps reaching the upper 30s for the west. 
And for Friday, a slight cooling trend, 14 to 20 in the east, 21-27 central, mid-30s for the west. For Saturday, though, partly cloudy skies, and here come the clouds with 27 to 33 in the east, 35 to 41 in the central, and in the 40s for the west. And again, by Sunday, there is a 30% chance of rain in that extended forecast, possibility of rain and or snow with high temperatures in the upper 30s on Sunday. Monday next week could reach about 32. Right now, 10 above, 61% relative humidity, wind chill at 4 below here at the studios of 880 KRBN. And your ag weather has been brought to you by Coleman Repair. For weather anytime, krvn.com. As temperatures fall, I'm Shaylee Peters with a midday check of your ag news here on the Rural Radio Network. Perhaps the old adage, I'd rather have a good crop and lower prices than high prices and no crop, was taking hold as 2017 came to a close. That's one explanation of why farmers would feel increasingly better about their conditions despite flat grain prices and the signs of lower livestock prices. Farmers that answered the latest DTN Progressive Farmer Agricultural Confidence Index survey told of an increasing optimism, posting an overall score of 113, up 9 points from August and 15 points higher than the Trump bump survey of a year ago. More importantly, farmers' attitude about their current situation was twice as positive as November 2016, despite growing concerns from ag lenders and little end in sight to flat commodity prices. Index levels above 100 are considered optimistic. Those less than 100 are viewed as pessimistic attitude as compared to baseline scores when the index began. And the Nebraska Corn Growers Association is accepting applications for Class 2 of its Prime program. All sessions are focused on maximizing the long-term viability of the operation through the latest research, emerging technologies, farm management practices, and peer relationships. The program consists of three sessions lasting approximately two days each each, plus attendance at the Nebraska Corn Growers Association annual meeting. Participants can expect a total time commitment of six to eight days away from the farm over a 12-month period. The material will be relevant and presented by the best that the industry has to offer. Locations of the session will be determined once the class has been selected. A registration fee of $190 is required upon enrollment. The fee will be waived for any CGA three-year members. The class will consist of 8 to 12 corn farmers selected from applications and local association board recommendations. Applications should be submitted by January 12th this year, and participants will be selected and notified by early February. And as commodity prices fell over the past few years, many landowners across the country agreed to lower cash rents. The annual landowner pro-farmer cash rent and value survey shows a majority of the respondents expecting cash rents to continue their lower trend in 2018. Landowner consultant and columnist Mike Walston says the survey also shows the focus on lowering cash rents in the year ahead will likely lessen when compared to the past few years. 53% of the survey respondents say they expect cash rents to continue their decline in 2018, Walston says. While that's still a majority, it's down sharply from 74% last year and 73% in 2015. The percentage of respondents expecting cash rents to stay the same as last year rose to 45%, up from 24% last year and 21% in 2015. Walston says the boost in respondents expecting no change in their rental rates this coming year might be an indication that the bottom in cash rental rates may be near. 
And finally, registration has opened for the 2018 Women in Agriculture Conference. Women in the agricultural industry looking to increase their business management skills are encouraged to register for the 2018 conference organized by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. The annual conference will be held February 22nd through the 23rd, 2018 at the Holiday Inn Convention Center in Kearney. The Women in Ag Conference is one of the longest-running women's conferences of its kind in the country that allows women to build relationships with each other, attend workshops, and gain valuable knowledge that will help them support their own farms and ranches. The theme for this year's conference is Growing Our Future, Valuing Our Traditions. More on that conference and how you can get registered at RuralRadio.com. That's a quick check of your midday ag news. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. West Central Cattlemen's will be offered in 10 locations across the state. I'm Shaley Peters, and today to visit with us about that, Randy Sainer, Extension Educator in Lincoln, Logan, and McPherson counties. And Randy, these kick off next week. Nebraska Extension and Colorado State University will be hosting these. So just give us a little bit of information here about what exactly you're looking to accomplish. So, so basically this will be kind of nutritional and herd management for, for producers. And we're going to talk about some of the latest fly research at some of them. Um, um, we're also going to talk a little bit about some of the research that we've done up at the Goodmanson Ranch on a different. Um, and actually, you can get the the Nebraska um, 2018 beef cattle report and get some of this information is in there. And so we're just kind of further explaining it. But and then we'll have a veterinarian at one talking about herd health. Um, talk a little bit about fly control and parasite control. Um, so, so it's a lot of research updates as well as some, with some grazing management practices with this, um, you know, and nutritional management pre- preparing for the breeding season. So, there's just a little bit of something for everyone, I guess I would say. And a great time of year to be hosting these. Of course, we're into a new year now, and a lot of these guys are just getting into calving or not quite starting their calving season yet. Yeah, well, you know, they're kind of right now, people getting ready, it won't be long, they'll be like doing their taxes and so forth. So maybe we can give them some ideas on, on ways that they can maybe cut costs or improve profitability. And basically, that's what all this is. And, you know, the, some of the research will tell us whether it was very pro- was profitable or it wasn't. And, and that's what we're going to talk about. Um, as well as, you know, just some herd health issues, which, you know, definitely does affect profitability, but, but can affect you know, how those cattle perform. Okay, Randy, and again, I mentioned earlier these kick off next week starting January 10th in Arthur, Nebraska, and then follows through with Minden, Nebraska, the 11th, and Oxford as well on the 11th, Imperial the 15th, Curtis the 16th, Ogallala the 17th, Ray, Colorado the 23rd, Culbertson the 24th, Sterling, Colorado the 25th, and Tryon, Nebraska the 30th. All month long, these will be hosted and really give producers a chance to get out and not have to drive too far, hopefully, to um, hit these up. Talk to us about what the day will look like and then how they can get registered. They're usually usually three to four hours with a lunch or, a, or an evening meal involved. So, um, And so what we usually do is we'll start out with a couple topics and have the evening meal and then, and then finish up with a couple topics. So some of them are only three topics, some of them have four topics, depending, depending on the time and, and the topic we're talking about. So people have a chance to get something to eat as well as um, hopefully enjoy an evening of, of learning some new things that's come out with the latest research. 
You can register at your local extension office or you can call uh, myself, rsainer2 at unl.edu and we can get you to the right places. Um, but your local extension office will have information on this um, and they can get you to the right place. All right, Randy, thanks so much for the information. It's Randy Sainer, Extension Educator, Lincoln, Logan, McPherson Counties, our guest today, talking about the Nebraska Extension, Colorado State University Extension meetings, winter meetings coming up for cattle producers in nine locations across the state. For a list of those locations, again, numbers to call to get registered, you can head on over to RuralRadio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening today to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports today with Jason Jorgaden. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Scott Frost went out with a Hollywood-like finish as Central Florida's head coach as the Knights wrapped up a year to remember with their 34-27 win over Auburn in the Peach Bowl yesterday. Now, despite going undefeated, the Knights weren't even considered for the college football playoff, and Frost says they were out to show they could play. Bowl games a lot of times come down to who's motivated to be there, um, and I don't, I don't know where their team was. Our team dealt with some unbelievable circumstances surrounding this, with the staff leaving and coming back. Um, I didn't know if they could do this. Uh, I knew we were going to have to withstand a surge from them at some point. I thought it would be early in the game turned out to be in the third quarter, but our guys responded like they did all year. Frost had spent the last month getting the Knights ready for this matchup while also recruiting and getting things in place to take over at Nebraska. Husker offensive lineman Nick Gates has announced he will forfeit his final year of eligibility at Nebraska and declare for the NFL draft. Gates tweeted today that he spoke to family, friends, and coaches before making his decision. He thanked former head coach Mike Riley and former offensive line coach Mike Cavanaugh. Six-foot-five, 295-pounder started every game at left tackle the past two seasons. Broncos CEO Joe Ellis today wrote a letter to fans telling them that ticket prices won't be raised next season and thanking them for sticking with the franchise through its first losing season in eight years. General Manager John Elway decided to stick with Coach Vance Joseph despite the Broncos' most disappointing season in decades, one that started with a 3-1 and start but crumbled to a 5-11 and finish. Ellis said the Broncos cannot live in their past glory. Of course, they were Super Bowl champs just two years ago, and that there will be no sense of entitlement in the organization. Ellis said he's confident that Elway and Vance Joseph can steer the Broncos back to success. The Nebraska men's basketball team rings in the New Year's. The Huskers return to Big Ten action with a matchup at Northwestern tonight. Nebraska's 10-5 and on the season. They are looking for its season best fourth straight win following a tight win over Stetson on Friday night. Forward James Palmer says tonight's matchup with the Wildcats will be tough. There's always times when you're playing a good team like Northwestern. They obviously made a tournament last year. They, uh, they have good guards. And well, they really have an all-around team, but they definitely have good guards, so we definitely uh, up for the challenge. It's another game that's important, and uh, we definitely need to take advantage on the roof. Tip-off from Allstate Arena, which is just outside of Chicago, is set for shortly after 8 o'clock Central Time. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Mostly clear skies in Nebraska tonight with lows from 8 to 12 degrees above zero. I'm Dave Schroeder. The legislature will begin its 2018 session tomorrow. 
It'll run 60 days through April. Longtime lobbyist Walt Radcliffe with Radcliffe & Associates says the main issues will be similar to issues of the past. It's going to be budget, 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 taxes, taxes, taxes. Now those will, budget and revenue will be the compelling uh, issues that the legislature is going to face in 2000. Radcliffe says Nebraska is facing a deficit because the revenue stream hasn't kept pace with the budget. The budget is based upon the revenue forecast that the Revenue Forecasting Board makes. And that when it last met uh, in, in October, the forecast was, was revised downward. And we are approximately $200 million short in revenue. In the context of a $4 billion-plus budget, that's about a 5% deficiency. Radcliffe says what the Legislature and Appropriations Committee decides to do to fill the gap will probably have to wait until after the Forecasting Board meets again at the end of February and issue new projections. An arrest warrant has been obtained for a homeless man suspected of killing a 19-year-old in Grand Island. Police in Grand Island say that the warrant for 24-year-old Herbie Portillo Jr. lists charges of first-degree murder and a weapons crime. Police say he may be armed with a semi-automatic handgun. He's accused of shooting to death Trevor Sock, who officers found wounded around 3.45 a.m. yesterday morning at a Grand Island home. Police say he died later at a hospital. The court records don't list the name of an attorney who could comment for Portillo. The Nebraska Game and Parks Commission has scheduled an ice fishing clinic for women. Beyond Becoming an Outdoors Woman program is set for January 13th at the Valentine National Wildlife Refuge Lakes. In Kansas, two Riley County police officers are being praised for their efforts to help a family that had no water or heat. When officers Ian Ford and Sean Goggins responded to a welfare check this past weekend, they found a family with two children who had no water or heat because of a water line that was broken. The family's car also wouldn't start because of the cold. The family's only heat was from one infrared heater. The officers bought the family cases of water, food, and two indoor space heaters and started the family's vehicle. The officers also contacted an emergency shelter to ensure there would be room if the family needed it. The department says neither officer sought recognition. A dispatcher alerted officials to their kindness. Our app is a perfect companion to your phone. Download it free in the App Store or Google Play. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Two thousand eighteen could turn out to be an interesting marketing year. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Mike Zuzala with Global Commodity Analytics joined me on the final bell last Friday as we looked at some factors as we wrapped up two thousand seventeen and moved towards the new year. I will put it to you this way, with China having the lowest crude oil inventories uh in seven years, and with the United States October crude oil demand at 19.8 million barrels a day that ends up being 229 barrels a second of demand here in the united states we've got the best economic commodity groundwork laid going into 2018 and i think since that 2018 2008 type financial crisis we had so 10 years i think we've got the best situation going into uh this next year you just have to deal with nafta north korea in the front end 
Well, there is so many influences. For the grain guys, it has been a big struggle, and it looks like to continue as we head into 2018. Those outside market influences, you know, whether it be NAFTA or the other trade deals that are going on, you know, TPP without the U.S., um, causes, I'm sure, some concern for these grain guys. Yeah, and I think there's a negative feedback loop that goes back to, you know, the previous eight years and maybe even the previous 12 years of, of administrations where we've lost business in the Middle East in terms of wheat business. We've lost corn business in key areas of uh, Africa and the Middle East and parts of Europe. And at the same time, there has been that vacuum that's been filled by Russia and the Baltic states and Romania, of all countries, are, are essentially beating us right now when it comes to the wheat demand in the Middle East. And you have China coming in with their new Belt and Road Initiative, their new Silk Road that they're going to try and push all the way into uh, the Saudi Arabia and all the way into Africa and all the way across north into northern Europe and essentially retake Eurasia and the trade routes that they had previously, uh, you know, several hundred years ago. That's their new uh, edict, and they want to have that uh, implemented uh, pretty strongly by 2020, and they want to have it fully implemented by 2040. And so these kind of things, I think, really did keep the grain markets uh, from wanting to go higher because you never saw through the USDA reports or through the rhetoric and the trade the funds buy because they didn't see supply falling faster than demand or demand increasing faster than supply. And that's where I'm probably the most encouraged when it comes to 2018 is I think in corn especially we're rebalancing very quickly to where your acreage and your production levels in 2018-2019 marketing year are going to be very difficult to match what we did the last three years globally. And we know infrastructure is an important aspect of here in the U.S. And, and work continues and needs to continue to be done to help out that grain movement. It is. I mean, that is one of the biggest features of 2018 that could probably propel the stock market even higher. I don't sell stocks. I don't have a license for stocks, but I have to track the financial markets nonetheless because of the way assets are moved around. And if I did not have President Trump talking about an infrastructure bill right here, right now, I'd be very nervous about a pretty big decline in the equities markets, but there is something on the horizon in terms of infrastructure being talked about. It'll be interesting to see if we can get past the January 19th debt and uh, and uh, what's going on going to have to happen in Congress and how much the Democrats and Republicans work or don't work together and how that affects the markets in the very beginning of 2018. So I wouldn't be surprised at all for a correction in, in equities in the month of January if the January 19th deadline is not taken care of. And then that corresponds with what's happening with the January 12th crop report. So that mid-January time period, and then you throw on top of that the likelihood we're going to have to deal with North Korea sooner rather than later because of how fast they're moving on not just their nuclear program, but now they're talking about biological weaponry that has been potentially found out with one of the North Korean uh, people leaving and, and running across the border and having anthrax in his blood system and antibodies for anthrax there. So North Korea is going to be probably within the next 30 have the negotiations with NAFTA and talk now by some of Mexico's trade ministers that if NAFTA would get terminated, the result would be about a 3 to 4% point drop in the gross domestic product of Mexico, and that truly would be catastrophic for that country. So that's, I think, why the funds just kind of held pat 
and didn't want to play in the grains and instead took the route of the livestock, took the route of the energies, and took the route of the metals markets late in the year. Zuzalo shared his thoughts wrapping up 2017 and ideas to keep in mind for this year. Yeah, the one thing that I've talked to producers about, and I think this will resonate no matter what part of the country you're at, is stop looking at price per bushel when it comes to selling your grain, and, and especially for the grain farmers, because it's easier to market your livestock. You can't store those livestock in a bin. You have to look at it either per hundred weight or per head. Captain and looking at their price per bushel. Look at your revenue per acre, then make your decision on when you sell. Those comments coming from Mike Zuzlo. He's with Global Commodity Analytics. He was my guest on Friday's Final Bell. You can hear the entire podcast, by the way, by going to our website, krvn.com. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Time to get a review of the livestock futures trade today with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Wow, we're off to the races once again in the cattle. Uh, uh, triple digit gains, right straight across the board. Uh, uh, a mixture of things. Cattle uh, traded at higher money on uh, Friday, and uh, uh, that uh, that spurred on uh, some uh, bullish thoughts. Then you throw in uh, some uh, cold temperatures, and uh, that's all it takes. And away we go, and throw in the funds stepping back into the market, and. Uh, uh, it produces uh, these kinds of gains. So pretty good start uh, to the new year for the cattle market. Uh, not so much for the hogs. Uh, uh, by the way, the cutouts were higher on the uh, cattle also at noon. Uh, well, very light trade, but still higher. Over in the hogs, uh, not so much uh, where we had triple-digit loss out of the uh, February contract, and the uh, first three months were lower, the back end a little bit higher, signifying uh, some bear trading uh, but uh, cash seemed to be steady firm uh, didn't seem to be bothering uh, the marketing of hogs seems like they're getting enough uh, at this point and uh, considering uh, the uh, premium that the uh, hogs are carrying at this point to the index uh, not surprised that we didn't see uh, a little bit weaker out of the front end Thanks, Joe. You can reach Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities, 800-328-0137. Total cattle slaughter today was put at 113,000, compared with 91,000 last Tuesday. Hog slaughter, 460,000, compared with 357,000 last Tuesday. Protection Agency released a notice of proposed rulemaking on the life cycle greenhouse gas emissions associated with biofuels that are produced from grain sorghum oil, which is extracted at dry mill ethanol plants. But what does that mean and why is it important? Well, biodiesel produced from distillers sorghum would meet the life cycle GHG emissions reduction threshold required for advanced biofuels and biomass-based diesel under the Renewable Fuel Standard Program. In short, it opens up an additional market for grain sorghum. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett. Chris Bliley joins me now. He's the Growth Energy Vice President of Regulatory Affairs. Chris, help us understand why is this a big deal for grain sorghum? Sure. Uh, so if a plant uses corn and they extract corn oil, they can use uh, they can sell corn oil into the biodiesel and renewable diesel market, and it can be used for the renewable fuel standard. 
Unfortunately, green sorghum, you didn't have the same opportunity. And so sorghum producers, as well as a number of our plants who use green sorghum as a feedstock, had already been producing ethanol. Uh, this would allow them, when they extract uh, oil from grain sorghum, they can now use that product to additionally to sell into their biodiesel and renewable diesel market and then can be used further as another renewable fuel. What had to change from the EPA standpoint to make this happen? Well, one of the key components of the renewable fuel standard is demonstration that these renewable fuels reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And so one of the things that they had to show was that the life cycle emissions from oil derived from grain sorghum met the threshold of a 50% greenhouse gas reduction when used in biodiesel and renewable diesel. And there's there's lots of data. The, the sorghum producers had used data and pushed the agency, and we had also talked to the agency about this issue. And so this is finally the EPA acting on this and moving this issue forward. Um, they've got a proposal out there for comment through January 26, and we're hoping that they'll finalize it soon. You mentioned that you guys were pushing for this for a while. How long did you have to push, and what finally broke the ice? I, again, this has been a big priority for the sorghum producers and the plants that have used grain sorghum for the past couple of years. Um, I, this has also gotten the attention of a number of uh, congressional members, particularly uh, in sort of the southern southern part of the Midwest where grain sorghum and down into Texas and Oklahoma. Um, and so this has really been on the radar here, I would say, probably two, three years. Um, and it's it's been a high priority for a number of people. And, again, those plants and the sorghum producers, because it's really value-added for those plants and, and the growers as well. Um, and so an, an additional market opportunity. Um, and that's why it's been so important to get this done and why we, why we, along with the sorghum producers and many others, are trying to get this over the finish line. As we wrap up here, Chris, talk about why is this an important issue for people involved in the grain sorghum industry? You know, ultimately, they're selling grain sorghum to a plant is, is a market opportunity that, that's relatively new uh, for all farmers. And uh, for the sorghum producers, that's certainly an opportunity. And because the plants can now use the sorghum oil in the renewable diesel and biodiesel market, again, this is just value-added agriculture on up the chain to the producer as well. That was Chris Bliley. He's the Vice President of Regulatory Affairs discussing the new EPA proposal to open up a pathway for grain sorghum oil. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskin. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and we're with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. So we start off a new year in trading higher today, particularly the uh, weight futures. Now I have to ask you, uh, is this new money brought in or are they reacting to the cold temperatures? I think it's short covering on the short on the cold temps. You know, obviously, I think there probably is some buying here. We we don't have a big long position. It's bigger than normal. Maybe twenty thousand contracts. We're on the eighty thousand longs versus sixty thousand where we're usually bottom. But um, you know, this is the time of the year where we, at least in these big supply years, where we've seen the price come up. Now, in, in the years where we've had high prices, this is usually a sell. As wheat producers tend to want to raise cash at this time of the year, first uh, part of the year. But I would ignore some of those seasonals that you might see thrown around right now. March which was a good good period uh, a year ago. I uh, ended up topping out around 460 with world prices essentially in the same spot. 
Uh, I look for a little bit of a run here. I think that's going to pull corn. Um, hopefully soybeans as well, but beans, I think, are looking more at Brazilian weather and production. It's pretty good right now. All right. Corn happened to be a follower today, correct? Yes. Yeah. Corn, you know, I think it has its own merits. You've seen basis move a little stronger out west. Uh, out east, we're still fighting, uh, you know, frozen rivers and, and tough logistics. But, um, you know, I think as, as we work into the, the first quarter of the year, um, you know, you've seen ethanol prices start to come back a little bit. Uh, spreads between ethanol and gasoline are record wide. I look for prices to really move uh, uh, in a good uh, in a good direction there. Um, and then, of course, short covering. I mean, that's going to be the theme everybody's going to talk about. But the fact of the matter is, we've never been this short, both on a net net basis and an outright basis. So we're sitting around four hundred thousand, four hundred twenty thousand contracts to the short side. You know, I'd like to think there's 10 to 15 cents here. Uh, in the last decade, I think the we have seen no less than 15 cents uh, of a rally off that New Year low for the March futures. So, again, I'm a, bull, a little bit bullish here. Um, whether or not the basis comes with it will be really interesting to see. You know, if we get a 10-cent move, if the basis rallies uh, and gives the cash price that amount. Good sign, maybe, that November new crop soybeans gained on the front months? Yes, and that's, I was going to say, the first thing we're seeing, a lot of these deferred spreads are starting to tighten up a little bit. Anything old crop-based is not, meaning you're not seeing July over November of this year, but November over November of next year, December of corn, December 18 over December 19 is tightened up about $0.05. Cents. So we are starting to see the market maybe work its way into a little bit more of a tighter spread uh, situation, but I don't think that's going to help folks looking to make delivery in March. I, I think we're going to maintain this spread here, and they're going to be put to a decision, I'd say, somewhere 365 to 370 March futures. That's where I'm targeting. Thanks, John. John Payne. Go to danielsagmarketing.com. Get more information.